0: And, yeah, so how are things going for you, you
1: know, Daria? Everything's good. we have having a bit of a heat wave here, California.
0: Still, so hot.
1: Huh? And there were a lot of fires, too, nearby. Um, we have uh, been safe, but a lot of smoke. So, um, otherwise, things are good, and... Um, mm-hmm a bit of work going on in the publishing department, working on the backload of of uh, services and so forth. So that's very encouraging. Everything everything's good here.
0: Okay, wonderful. Well we have a number of questions for you today and okay. we'll start with Subal.
1: Hi Krishna Garash. Good morning. Good morning. I'm curious if you could talk a little bit about how different acharyas in our line have, have uh, come up with the names of their deities. Like if it's related to their Baba, I'm sure it is and, and maybe other practical um, considerations. It's kind of a general question. Well, I'm not privy to all that information that and uh, um, I don't know who is. Um, the um, principal deities in one sense, it was Sampradaya, Madan Mohan, and Gopinath, and Vrindavan. And, um, I don't, uh, I don't believe the Goswamis who they are identified with, uh, named them for that matter. Um, uh, that said, um, The names of those deities, Madan Mohan, Burinda, and Gopinath, and Krishna's names uh, there do correspond with the three divisions of Sambanda, Abhide, and Prayojan. And um, <clears throat> uh, Krishna's Kavarash of course has what appears to be his own and uh, famous verses glorifying them, which make that much more clear. Um, but those deities, this the, um, the legend behind them is that um, I think the, uh, the grandson of great grandson of Krishna um, was asked to um, weigh in on the um, craftsmanship of the artisan commissioned to um, chisel from stone, the deity. And um, upon seeing Madan Mohan, he said he was perfect. In terms of his memory of Krishna would be the idea, um, up to the waist. And so another deity was commissioned and he said he was perfect from the waist, you know, up to the, up to the head. And another deity was commissioned, and that was to Gubindaji and and Gopinath and he said and, and he was perfect in the face. Um, so maybe one that was perfect uh, from the legs, the other perfect in the center, other in the face individually, rather than Gopinath being all three combined. But at any rate, that's the that's the legend and and and, and that also of course corresponds with the those three divisions. So one is kind of the legs that we stand on, as I refer to it, conceptual orientation. And then the arms and the torso is by which we accomplish so many things. So abhideya means the way and the face being the smiling face of Krishna um, being the pryorjana. Uh, but other than that um and there are so many deities uh one set of deities does come to mind or maybe more than one set but buddhapad sridamarsh named his deities rada Gandarvika, gandharvika gandharvika gididhari i believe and um
2: Gandharvika Govinda Sundaram Gurmar.
1: Okay, thank you.
3: Um,
1: he seemed to like the name. Govinda Sundar. He named his disciple who was his successor. Govinda Sundar, um, but the name Gandharvika for, for Radhika, is of course a name that is uh, found for her, in the Gupal and in Upanishad. Um Upanishad. In a sense. Radha is a name that basically means who who were who worship the most, the best. And um so a gopi is singled out in Gopal Tapani Upanishad, who appears to have that status. So given her status, she's Radha. She's named Gandarbika there. So Puja Pashridamar chose that. And, and I think that Bhakti Siddhanta may have named um, one or more of his deities uh, on the Radha side, Gandharbhika, or he liked that name. And I think, I'm only making a conjecture here, that the some of the reasoning behind that may be that, well here is a Shruti or Panishadic name for Radha, which gives credibility um, in the uh, circle of those who uh, refer to the sacred texts as uh, as as evidence hmm. um, um, so that's you know a possibility why 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 they or let's let's say why, why shoulddamar chose that name um, as much as some people may and they have questioned the position of Radha and so forth the whole sampradaya in one sense was Challenged in that regard the story goes in Jaipur um, and uh, out of that came the Govinda Bhasha um, what is the position of, of of Radha was part of the challenge there where Radha Govinda were being offered I think and, and then the and the offering of theirs was being offered to the deity of Noraya and that was controversial all the time so um, but you know the story um uh Prabhupada, okay, another acharya, um, who named many deities, seemed to name them um, in consideration of, let's say, Krishna's pastimes and, you know, where he was, opening a temple. Uh, Like, I think he named the deities in Delhi, Radha Parthasarathy, Parthasarathy is a name for, for Krishna uh, as the chariot driver of Arjuna um, and uh, Hastinapur, you know that he was, he was uh, known by that name uh, there. Um, it's odd in one sense and some persons have made that um, claim and point because Parthasarathy Krishna and Astinapur is not the one standing um, next to Radha. probably was asked about that. He gave his reply. Um, um, yeah, I think he basically said wherever Krishna is, his Shakti is, is there, if, if not you know, physically in mind. And of course, there's evidence that from Sanatana Goswami's Great Bhagavatamrita that Krishna in Dwarka's. Uh, more often than not thinking about Radha and the inhabitants of Vrindavan as the queens themselves witness uh, that he does in his sleep dreaming about them. So there's different ways he could support Prabhupada's naming but I I, I, I don't think that Prabhupada in naming a lot of his deities so much had a, a bhava perspective in mind, um, for example, he renamed the deities in Los Angeles uh, Rukmini and Dwarkadish because to him, Los Angeles was like Dwarka. You know, it was a big, a big city. It was his city uh, center, main center in the United States at the time. And I think at the time of the purchasing of the, after the sale of the La Cienica Temple and the purchase of the one in Culver City, which is where the deities, uh, w- which he named New Dwarka. That was maybe the biggest piece of real estate that Iscon had, and it was like a, like I say, a metropolitan headquarters for Prabhupada. So, he named it after Dwarka. Um, so he he had different uh, considerations, um, often, other than particular, um, Baba. Yeah. Of course, Krishna Balarama, or named Krishna Balarama. <laughs> um, he could have given him another name. but uh, So, yeah, there may be different considerations on the part of Acharyas uh, at different times. But I would say a good part of the time, yes, the, the naming of them is, com- is coming from their their, their feelings uh, for the deity rather than in some kind of preaching Context, which is often how Prabhupada saw temples as bases from which to go out and distribute Krishna consciousness and so forth. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm trying to think offhand of any other uh, deities um, from previous acharyas that are uh, uh, prominent that. uh, I come, where that consideration comes to mind, but I, I can't offhand. If I if I can, I'll think about it during the day. Think of any other deities, and I'll bring it up next week. But um, um, that's about. Did the, you? Yeah, go ahead. Did you did you name uh, Radharmadava or or how how did their names come about? I was just thinking in terms of Saragrahi there. Oh, it's Sauragrati. Um. I don't know if they were already named Radha uh, it wouldn't surprise me, I, I can't recall. They
0: were and you renamed him
1: to Madhava. Yeah. Yeah, well um Radha is the name of the deities in that Prabhupada named in uh in Mayapur. Originally Prabhupada had a set of deities in Mayapur. And there were there were three I believe, sets of deeds from the same mold. One he kept in Mayapur, one he sent to Boston. What was their name? Sumati? Gopi... Gopi... Balava. Gopi Balava. Gopi... Radha Gopi Balava. And the other one in San Francisco. And I forget their names.
0: Radha
1: Gokulananda. Radha Gokulananda. There may have even been a fourth one in Denver. Um, no. No. Okay, so, so three... Yeah. the mold, and um, the ones in Mayapur, he named Radharama, and he placed uh, next to them the deity of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So those are the original deities of of Mayapur. So, in Saragrahi we had Radhakrishna, and I wanted to add Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Uh, Bhakti Bhakti Rasa had acquired those uh, deities for her home. And so I wanted to add Chaitanya Mahaprabhu into the picture. So I named him Gore Radha reflecting on um, Prabhupada's sole configuration of those deities in ISKCON, which was the configuration of the deities in most of the uh, temples opened by Bhakti Sananta Saraswati Thakur. Uh, practically all of his temples. Radha, Krishna, and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Prabhupada had that in Mayapur, which was his place of worship, as he used to say, Hmm. but uh, he didn't establish them anywhere else. So, reflecting on that. um, In that instance, I understand you're getting some deities soon, Subal, also, but they've already been named. Is that correct? What are the names? Radha? Sarad Bihari. Sarad Bihari, yeah, that's about that.
0: I'm here.
1: Sarad Bihari, that's a peculiar name.
0: Radha Sarad Bihari, yeah. Thank you for authorizing it. Yeah.
1: (laughs) We (laughs) love you. (laughs) we we'll go in there and having in their darshan, so that's good, good pujari, so. Okay, what else, another question?
0: Yes, okay. Burdhava, um, you wanna unmute yourself?
1: Yeah, you,
2: mm-hmm. uh, I have two questions. I don't know which one you would like to answer. The most, one is more like philosophical, the other is not so much. Okay. Go ahead. Is a question that is my father, you know, and I sometimes discuss. You know, and I was not able to find a satisfactory answer by myself. He would tell me the Brahma. He met Krishna, and he had all this lila. You know, the Brahma Mohan lila. But then what? What are all, all the times that Krishna came? He forgets every time that Krishna comes every day.
1: All the times what?
2: That Krishna comes every day. You know, in the day of Brahma, he comes once a day. So then Brahma forgets about Krishna every day. And he remembers our Krishna every
1: day. So what you're asking about is that in, in the Bhagavatam, there's the leela, the Brahma Vimoham leela. So um, the Brahma is... Uh, at the dawn of creation, he approaches Krishna, he gets initiated. Sometime later, uh, Krishna appears on earth, which is once in the day of Brahma, right? And in the Bhagavatam narrative, Brahma comes to Vrindavan and he doesn't recognize Krishna. Krishna looks like like his guru, but he seems to be an imposter because he's not... Um, very sophisticated, giving Upanishadic knowledge and so forth, and acting like a guru, but like a cowherd. And so the Brahma Vimuhan Lila, And Krishna accomplishes many things at that time, obviously, one of which is further enlightening Brahma as to the nature of the ideal that um, he desired and was offered to him by Krishna at the dawn of creation, according to the second canon of the Bhagavatam, Sakirasa. Hmm? Um, so he, there, he was familiarizing Brahma with what it's what it's all about, and um, and then it's over. Right, Brahma goes back to his abode. So you're saying, you, I guess, what you're questioning is that Krishna appears once in every day of Brahma. So it's the next day, does he forget that and does it again? Right.
3: Yes.
1: <laughs> um, it's good not to overthink these things, but um, one point to make is that. The lilas that are described in the Bhagavatam are a um, typical prakat lila, hmm? but every prakat lila, which is said to occur once in the day of Brahma, is not necessarily the same. Hmm? It's not bound by history. For example, Vishwanachaka uh, Vritakor has. has um, described the leelas that Rupa Goswami has written about in uh, Lita Madhava hmm? Uh, as being those of a different prakat leela than that which is found in the Bhagavatam. hmm? In that leela, many things happen that aren't described in the Bhagavatam. So every day there's a leela, there are similarities in their differences and so it's not necessary that the brahma bimohan lila occurs every day of brahma over and over again hmm. does that help
2: yes yeah, thank you and you know a question that is connected to this is yes is a proper way you know, because for me it's not that important if i find something in the i cannot understand but for some devotees it's very important so what will be a good answer to
1: A good answer to what
2: yeah when, because it happens to me many times that, you know, the bodies are very concerned that the, the Bhagavatam needs to make scientific sense to them, otherwise they, they cannot handle
1: it. Uh, what you're saying is that the Bhagavatam has to, like, be totally reasonable to them. I, th- I think they have to understand that, that what is really described in the Bhagavatam is something that, by its own admission, does not uh, fit. Between the ears of everybody, it's 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 uh, it transcends the limits of of reason. Um, once I was walking with Prabhupada in vrindavan and, and um, one of the devotees said to him that Prabhupada in in the Krishna book, Krishna is going from Govardhan Hill and then to Radhakund and then this place and back to Vrindavan and all in the course of a day. But we're going in park room we had to take a bus all the way out to govardhan and and it takes a whole day just to go there and come back, how could Krishna just go a short distance and back and so forth, so forth, right? So that's the kind of, I think that's the kind of thing that you're asking about. Yes,
2: yes, this is the kind of Pardon? Yes, this is the kind of activity.
1: Yeah. And Prabhupada held out his hand and said, Vandabhan is, is like a lotus, he said. And when, and it's open like this, and these are all the petals. Hmm? So this is Radhakund, this is Govardhan, this is Vrindavan, uh, this is Nandagram, and so forth. And when Krishna's here at Radhakund, and he, he wants to go to Vrindavan, then the lotus closes like this, then they're all very close, then it opens again. So that is a way of saying, don't, don't think too much about it, don't try to fit it inside of your head. What the Bhagavatam is trying to do, or any such Lila narrative, is to try to put into words and thought that which transcends the limits of word and thought. If it could be contained within thought and words, it would not be what it is, transcendent to them. So thought is limited, words are limited, therefore the Upanishads say words go but return. Thought goes there but returns can't, 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 can't go there unto itself. In order to attain that, we have to have a trans-rational practice, a practice that transcends the limits of reason. So when we enter into transcendence and have an experience, and we try to describe it within the limits of language and thought, it's going to have its limitations. Hmm? Um, But the whole purpose of it is to take us beyond those limits. So the insistence or the necessity as perceived by some of the voters of it all making perfect sense is a misunderstanding of what it is. If it all made perfect sense and it was perfectly rational, then it would it would be within the realm of reason alone. It's not unreasonable to posit that there's something that transcends the limits of reason and that reason has a limit in terms of its reach. We see practically that limit, the reason has a limits in terms of its reach or its ability to come to a conclusive answer. Hmm? Um, people are trying by reason to become perfectly happy, and they don't. Hmm? <laughs> and they've been trying forever. So uh, there are. It's a, it's, a, it's a given and an important one uh, in the tradition that the reality Transcends reason. That's not unreasonable. It's not unreasonable to chant Hare Krishna, but the chanting itself is not a rational exercise. It's a transrational exercise. So and sometimes things that transcend reason are best talked about in language that where there is a license for extending the picture, like poetry. So poetry is not a rational kind of descriptive language. In poetry, as I sometimes say, the moon can have wings and, and fly across the sky. It, it's it's, it's not, a, not a problem. So that kind of language, the bhagadam is using that kind of language. It's kavya, it's poetry, hmm, to describe the leelas of Krishna. Hmm? It's not using math, math hmm, which is another descriptive language that, you know, corresponds with, 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 with reason and logic is not using that kind of it it has an underpinning of that um just like there may be there, there is some math to poetry also hmm. there's there's math that underlies music hmm. but the expression itself kind of transcends the the or, or reaches out and, and extends beyond the math that that underlies it so Um, uh, the entire philosophy of Godi Vaishnavism has its limits but it's pretty good it's pretty well reasoned and um, it can uh, go toe to toe so to speak in argument with any other uh, philosophy but um, what makes it conclusive in a sense is its charm hmm, rather than its you can reason about it this way, reason about it the opposite way. Mm. Um, let's say, for example, you want to reason with a, somebody of another sampradaya who says, no, Krishna's the avatar of Narayan. You say, no, Narayan's the avatar of Krishna. So they're going to quote different verses, and argue about it and so forth. So you may come to a, a stalemate, so to speak. But then we can say, but Krishna's more charming. And he has to say, yeah, that's true. Mm. So he's more something. <laughs> The more charming what's more what's more uh, what what could be more than that more than beauty more than charm mm-hmm. so that's our kind of trump card but but anyway yeah i think that um, um that it can be a problem for some devotees once a once a devotee asked prabhupada that prabhupada you, you said in the krishna book that Nandamarsh has 900 million cows or 900,000 cows and but the vrindavan is this many square miles And I did the calculation, and that many cows could not fit on that tract of land. And Prophet said, You read too much. That was his answer. You read too much. You're overthinking. You're overthinking. Therefore, although we give dimensions to, for example, the Dom, right? It's this many crochets or whatever figure you want to use, this many kilometers square. At the same time, it is a Dom operade to think that the Dom is limited to a certain physical geographical area. It has a geographical area for the sake of Leela. But at the same time, everything is, in, is found within Vrindavan. That's the idea. Everything is found within Krishna.
2: Hmm.
1: Reality is a person. It's Krishna. He says, Jagadavyaaktamurtina. The whole world's inside of me. Hmm. But he has a form. Right? How can he have a form like this that you can see that's that's delimited hmm? and be everywhere? That's a chinty beta beta. You understand?
2: I tried to understand. (laughs) I'm very thankful for your answer. Okay. It helped a lot. Thank you.
0: All right, uh, Gordon
1: Ryan, you can unmute yourself and ask your question.
3: Hi, hey, Krishna Grave. Um I wanted to ask, um, how do we go from doing sadhana because it's the right thing to do to doing it out of devotion?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I don't think that doing it because it's the right thing to do lacks devotion, um, um, when we find out that something is right and we, we rise to the occasion and do it obviously that is a high standard um, and um, it's the it's kind of the, the driving motive of of Vaiti Bhakti so there's a whole spiritual world that's functioning on that basis <clears throat> Vrindavan of course is Mahabai and there. The inhabitants are not serving Krishna because he should be served because he's a God, but out of love for him, and that's a very high um, idea comparatively, which Bhatshudamarsh gave the idea, the difference, the difference being self-sacrifice and self-forgetfulness. Mm-hmm. So if I decide to make a self-sacrifice and do the right thing, even if it may cause me difficulty. That's very high and very noble, that'll be praised in in every corner of the world under every rock. Hmm? Um, But then there are instances that in which we forget ourselves and perform a valorous act even, without making a calculation, I should do it. the house is burning, man runs in and saves the dog, saves it, saves the young girl without, th- he asks, asks after, afterward, what were you thinking? He said, I wasn't thinking, I just did it. Something like that. Um, um, so self, self-sacrifice and self-forgetfulness. The latter, the former is not, a, is not a small thing. So to do devotion, devotional activities because it's the right thing to do now, how do you get from there nonetheless to doing it out of love and the answer is that you keep you keep doing it because it's the right thing to do hmm. but also that you uh, have a healthy diet of hearing about krishna in the land of vrindavan where that other standard exists and what's driving those people what makes them like that is what Krishna's actually like, and how they see him, how they experience him. Hmm? So the more you hear about the object of their love, which is w- what's driving their their whole lives and so forth, it has the power to do that. Hmm? There, there's an example of it. Then um, we start to imbibe um, their vision. Hmm? Um, Therefore, to hear from advanced devotees, Lila Katha, descriptions of Krishna, what he's like, uh, a healthy diet of this, give some insight in in what that realm is is like, how they see him. Here's a conversation between Krishna and the Kopi Just see how he he answers. (laughs) He's just so smart. He's such a genius. Hmm? He's so so clever. Hmm? Um, you start to, if you have a healthy diet of that, you start to un- know him. So That is the vein by which we can know him, what he's like, what he does to people in that setting. So both things should be there. We should continue because it's the right thing to do. That's very noble. And even in in that, um, we try to give our heart to the, to the to the practice some, some, some taste will come. It's difficult under our under ourselves and um, if we also to the extent that we lack good advanced so association with advanced devotees that is very of course powerful uh, catalyst to um, take us um, to a higher standard a taste driven standard of practice um but that's not so easy to come by always so but we should try try to take advantage of that as much as possible and so forth and um and again have a healthy diet of hearing such things i sent you a couple of things for example from my book sometime back some some paragraphs and so forth so those types of um descriptions are very very um helpful in this regard. So try to put those things together. Does that help? Yes, thank you, Gurti.
0: Okay.
1: Hey Greg, you have to unmute yourself? Hello Krishna Maharaj. Hello. Hello. Um can you hear
3: me okay? Yes. Okay,
1: um, so I've heard you mention a few times in your lectures about um, Tantra. So I wanted to um, ask if you could just um, speak a little bit about what it is exactly, where does it originate and um, what's its influence on, on our tradition? Yes, uh, the Tantra is mentioned in the Bhagavad <laughs> in regard to Kalu Nana Tantra Vidhani na, hmm. Nana Tantra Vidhani na, uh, something. Um, and this is the uh, two lines of a verse that uh, precede in the 11th canto of the 5th chapter the description of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu as the Kali Yuga avatar, Krishna Varnam, Kisakrishnam, Sangopangasthapashnam, <in Hebrew> Yajnaya Samkirtanapar, Yajantihi Sumedas, so those who are intelligent, endowed with sufficient uh, bhakti-sukriti, they will worship Krishna in a golden complexion with his associates by the method of kirtan, it's described. So let's say the verse that precedes that, the verses that precede that are describing this, the Satya Yuga Avatar, the Treta Yuga Avatar, the Dwarpa Yuga Avatar. And um, having described the Dwarpa concluded the description of the Dwarpa Yuga Avatar in two lines of the verse that precedes the one I quoted, the next two lines, the last two lines of that verse, are connected with the verse I, I quoted, and there it's mentioned that in Kali Yuga, the worship will be drawn mostly from the Tantra. Hmm. So uh, something to that effect. So there are two branches of the Tantra. We say there's the left wing Tantra and the right wing Tantra. So the left wing Tantra is 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 a, is a kind of a um, A concerted focus on um, uh, the term now, word escapes me. Um, I'll describe it. Maybe some of you you can come up with the word. When you absorb yourself in something completely, then you become disgusted with it, and you get an an epiphany. So it's a way. It's thought. Of overcoming that problem, hmm. mm. I forget the term, excess, excessive. And so, you find in, in that uh, left wing control all types of activities that that we don't practice. It might include mm. drugs and um, sexual activities, and so on and so forth, and um, and even the way in which they're prescribed there is pretty frightening. Um, Compared to the neo tantric left wing persons that, that have their modern take on tantra, which is like a spiritual license for sexuality, often. Uh, that would certainly be a distortion of even that form of tantra, which we don't follow. The other side, the right hand side, is, is where you have the Goptamiya tantra, the Krishna Yamala, Nard Pancharatra, the Pancharatri texts and so forth, where, where mantras are given, worship of the deity is, is, is given, those those types of things. So our mantras are drawn from there. There's some descriptions of the Dham um, and the um, um, yantras regarding Christian worship and so forth. So they're a little ritualistic in nature rather than philosophical in nature. Hmm? And the Shakti uh, feature is tends to be more prominent in the tantric branch rather than in, in, in the Vedic, which is more male. I mean, it's part of the whole, they all they all fit together, but so that's something about it. It's, it tends to be a little more um, Shakti oriented, feminine oriented and more uh, ritualistic um, rather than heady and philosophical does that help yes it does thank you but where, where does it come from what was it I mean where right. is it found where is it found or it's just mentioned in the in the Bhagavatam well there's a whole body amongst the the corpus of Vedic literatures you have your Vedas and Puranas and Tantras and so on oh, okay. So, oh, okay Anishad is part of it all Thank you, Marge. Okay. Okay.
0: Omkara, um, did you write your question? Okay. Okay, so he's got his question um, in the chat. My question borders Udavadas's question and how you respond about nature of reality. Mine is about time count. I hear practitioners of other lineages of yoga talk about, for instance, how Paramahamsa Yogananda refers to Kali Yuga having already ended. Also, the Western philosopher Raldo Steiner's statements of Kali Yuga having ended have captured many and I believe he borrowed a lot of Vedic ideas for his anthroposophical philosophy. So how does this time count fit into sampradaya's understanding and counting in relation of the nature of reality in the poetic language of the Bhagavad? Simply put, how to see this different time count? So,
1: well, uh, the, the guru of uh, Yogananda's name was Sri Yukteswar and he um, took exception to the standard understanding of the Yuga cycles given in the, uh, in, the in the Puranas. And um, therefore, he did a couple of things. He posited that the Yuga cycles don't go like this, but they go like this. Mm-hmm. So we have Satya, Treta, Dwarpa, Kali, Dwarpa, Tritya, Satya, something like that, I believe. And then um, which is unique. And then uh and then he also by his way of calculating, he came to the conclusion that the yuga periods were shorter and they um, and that it was now the uh, I think he said it must have been the, the, the Dwarpa Yuga, Kali Yuga, it now as the Dwarpa Yuga. And then he also described the qualities of the Dwarpa Yuga. So that that's a um, he gives his reasoning for it, a- astrological reasoning, reading of scriptures and so forth. Um, but I I don't know of anybody that within Hinduism and um, of the different uh, prominent sampradayas, that's a big thing. A sampradaya is a lineage that isn't uh, just a fly by night, you know, college online. It's like Yale or Harvard or Oxford or something like that, has been around a long, long time, has a track record and so forth. So a sampradaya has. For example, it also has its commentary on the sutras of Vyas and it's a it's a whole uh world view and understanding of scripture that's all written out and so forth. Hmm? And then you have yogis here and there that pop up, you know, and 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 um uh express their opinions about things that aren't that they're not necessarily connected with such a, you know, prominent lineages um, as the Vedantic lineages, be it Shankar, Ramanuja, so on and so forth. Um, so amongst those Sampradayas, which are very serious and time-tested lineages, no one accepts that um, conclusion of Yukteswar. Um, so I don't think anybody other than his own group accepts that in his reasoning. Uh, I looked into his reasoning once and I can't remember it now as it was decades ago that I did that. Um, but I think that the overriding um, response to that is that, that how he would how Dwarpa Yuga is described is is far different from the times in which we live um, at at present. Um, It's uh, uh, the quality of the time in Kali Yuga, regardless of the count, the quality of the time, which is the emphasis, is one in which uh, hypocrisy is is the predominant reality and truth is on shaky grounds. And it would be hard to compare it to our you. I mean, uh, it, would be, it would be hard to look at the present time, look at the political situation around the world. It's just full of, in the United States, we have a president that's a pathological liar. I mean, every day he, 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 he comes up with some lie. So truth is really on a very shaky stand um at the present moment and and uh, um hypocrisy is quite widespread. So just from that point of view, and again these descriptions are about the quality of time, um it, it it's not a very good argument to say it's it's the it's the Duarpa Yuga. Um um Rudolf Steiner is a uh, Uh, a Westerner, I think it must be from the Carolinas, I think of Virginia. Um, And yeah, he, uh, I think he interacted with the theosophists and had some insight into, or some some, um, liking for the Indian traditions and so forth. But, you know, he basically came up with his own idea. Um, So anybody can do that, but who believes that, who follows that, Um, He was certainly not able to convince these, as I say, stalwart Sampradayas of his his conclusions, modern people in his country, the United States. I believe he's he's an American, yeah. Um, You know, just learning about for the first time from him might accept his theories and so forth, but um, um, that doesn't say a lot necessarily for them. if your theories can convince new people who don't know otherwise and are, are carried by your charisma, that's one thing. But if your theories can speak to those who have come before you or contemporaries of the time who have a different opinion and, and so forth, and you convince them, well, you know, that, that gives you more credibility. That said, um, I've written about Kali Yuga in my book, Sacred Preface, And, um, you know, your bigger argument is with modern science uh, with regard to yugas. Of course, modern science tends to be, look at time from a linear uh, perspective rather than a cyclical perspective. We're at odds with them on that. Um, um, And, um, you know, besides that, you look at the way, you look at the earth and human civilization in ways that are in conflict with um, the descriptions of the Yuga cycles, which, um, you know, is described differently, for that matter, in different Puranas. It's not all exactly the same and so forth. Um, so you're not going to match them up, hmm? but you don't necessarily have to either. Um, um, Again, I look at it as well, the quality of the time is, as described in Kali Yuga, is one that corresponds with the time I'm, I'm living in. Hmm. Um, but, you know, this is not a, uh, the, 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 the idea, the, to be honest with you, the idea that it's Kali Yuga is, is not some kind of philosophical point that that's, um, um, has to be true in all respects in order for Ga Vaishnavism to be its goal and the means to arrive there to be uh, what they are. Um, it's a it's it's a it's a way of thinking about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in times when people were primarily um, influenced by Puranic perspectives. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the Puranas are descriptions of different avatars. There's Chaitanya Mahaprabhu who is an extraordinary person. So to consider him an avatar if you if you're, that's your, your your frame of reference, and then you look in the scriptures and find a way to validate that, and so on and so forth. Um, but this is—it's not some vital um, point. Um, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is telling us is is his ecstasy hmm, is what it is. It's desire. It's obviously he's obviously a spiritual person. His ecstasy was contagious, and so forth, and. The theology, the philosophy that the Goswamis imbibed from him is can you know go head to head with any any tradition. You don't have to argue about whether it's Kali Yuga or not. It's it's not important in one sense. Uh, who you want to describe Chaitanya Mahaprabhu differently? You can call him whatever you want, but you have to call him spiritual. Hmm? And you have to also see that the insights that come through Chaitanya Mahaprabhu as the nature of the spiritual world and the possibilities that lie there is something that is not found anywhere else. And it's very interesting, very charming, um, very, very compelling. And there are many, many examples of persons who embraced it and um, arguably experienced the desired results. So that that's all, all you need really. Um, so I wouldn't get too caught up in, in arguing with someone, whether it's Kali Yuga or not, whether they come from Yuktashvar, Paramhansa, this uh, uh, Rudolf Steiner, or any other fly by night, you know, new spiritual insight, to be honest with you. Um, and then, you know, again, again, you have irrational, scientifically based, empiric based persons. Empiricism, of course, is, is, is uh, by the very definition of empiricism, empiricism cannot be a conclusive way of arriving at, at truth. So it's got its problems <laughs> to start with. So um, I like the, I think it was Niels Bohr, a Nobel laureate that I cited. I think I cited in, in the book I'm writing now in one chapter who said that some truths are extend beyond the limits of empiricism, scientific discovery, observe, observation, and so forth, and they are described in ways in different languages like poet, poetry um, myth myth and, and mythology and so forth. that doesn't make them untrue just, they just they speak about truths that, that cannot be as I said earlier contained in in words, and are beyond the purview of scientific investigation and observation. I mean, our, our capacity to observe, which we pride ourselves in, um, is is itself limited, and that's a core point of Gaudiya rationalism.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: You may say, I observed it, but well, senses are imperfect. So um, there may be things that Transcend or exceed the limits of our senses uh, to experience, under themselves. They being the sole instruments. That's a that's a cornerstone of our teaching. That makes sense. That's that's that's, that's reasonable. Mm-hmm. And now here's a way to to access that realm. Mm-hmm. Again, it's a transrational exercise. And you know, I mean. It's 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 very I think it's a charming way of looking at it from the Puranic point of view. Here's the Kali Yuga Albatar. Um And the time in which we live is Kali Yuga, this is the main practice. I mean I could go on and make a good argument for that. Mm-hmm. Taking to the streets with banners and protesting, you know. That is like a, a secular form of kirtan. It can it can take down as it did uh in the eighties the uh, the berlin wall hmm? right um, so congregational gatherings in public holding banners and signs and clamoring and so forth has great power in Kaliyuga. Now uh, if you make that clamoring about Krishna and Krishna Nam then the power inherent in that uh is 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 even greater and can uh, rise us above the, for example, political controversies that have rise to such um, secular forms of, of kirtan, if you will. Uh, so it's a charming way of looking at it, and I, I think it's it's helpful. Can be very helpful for our our practice to try to enter into the period of time of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's lila and how the devotees were thinking of Chaitanya Mahabharu and giving references to the Puranas, and try to live in that uh, Bhagavatam world. I think it's very conducive and helpful for, um, for Bhajan, for our, our practice. Mm-hmm. And if you want to interact with people in the world with a different perspective, different standard of knowledge than the sacred texts of India, well, you open up a whole can of worms trying to try explain every detail of your uh, philosophy to their to their satisfaction. Mm-hmm. Um, and there you may have to take liberties to explain it in different ways and so on and so forth. But again, for yourself, it's, uh, it's the way in which Chaitanya Mahaprabhu viewed the world, his associates viewed the world, uh, how his associates viewed him, um, and so on. And it has a lot more, compared to the people you mentioned, a lot more credibility. I hope that helps. If it doesn't, or you need some further explanation, feel free to comment. Thank you, very much. Thank you so much. Very, very nice. Okay. Mm-hmm. Do you have time for one more quick question? Or one question? Or... Yeah, should... i
0: short,
1: but yeah. No. Okay, Sharada, you wanna mute yourself?
3: Harival, um Paranams Maharaj, I, I did, did inherit a, quite a few different commentaries of the Bhagavad Gita from my Indian, my Bengali grandmother. Um, you know, there are two main ones, uh, but one of them was um, from Swami Bhakti Rudaya Bon, and he did, um, a commentary, he did a wonderful, very poetic version. Um, mm-hmm. I think it was called the Bhagavad Gita as a Chaitanya music and Mm -hmm. it's just almost Shakespearean language and it's so it's like a 1930s copy um something like that and it differed very much from the other one which I had which is Madhusudana Saraswati's commentary and um which is lovely but it was very scientific but I was just wondering because you know Swami um B.H. Bonn, I think he was a disciple of Baxi Siddhanta Saraswati and I wanted to know whether is there any any more of his books circulating in the West and you know, more about him and, and as he has touched on earlier that the poetic and the esoteric type of thing, um, I'm drawn to the style um, it seems to me more you know um, conducive to the spiritual world, <laughs> for me that's that's what yeah. you was touching on, something that's more proactive. But anyway, I was just asking about him, really.
1: Dr. Hridaydan Yeah, he has a uh, a book that was uh, translated, I think, into English. I think it might have been written in Bengali, or at least it was published by my disciple, Brigapod, uh, Finnish devotee. he was a scholar. I don't know if you know Brigapod. Um, but... Yeah. Uh, but if uh, s- someone on here could supply his. his um...
2: Yeah, I, I can do it Guru Maharaj. Yeah. Sarato wants to send me a private message and can. Thank
1: you. <laughs> um, thank so that's, you. Okay. that's That's a story of his pilgrimage within India. Um, it's quite good. He also yeah, wrote He also wrote in English a commentary on the first four chapters of Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. Hmm? Okay. And um, there may be some other books by him as well. Um, and yeah, he was very uh, well-educated and did travel in the West uh, it, to a limited extent, but he, he had um, a good preaching style. Mm-hmm. He opened a university of mm-hmm. Vrindavan at one point. Um, but I should comment that the, um, that the main Gita commentaries of our that are worth reading, yeah. that are important to read, I should say, are those of Vishwana Chakravarti Thakur and Baladev Bidyabhusan. They wrote Sanskrit commentaries, and they're both available in English. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Yeah. Those are worth reading. Madhusudan Saraswati, of course, was a Bengali too, but uh, he had a lot of passion for Krishna, mm-hmm. but he was a, he was a, he was an Advaitin. Mm-hmm.
3: Advaitin, yeah. <laughs> He was yeah, um, very, yeah.
1: very influenced by Bhakti, but ultimately his ideal was mm. not, uh, not the frame of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu.
3: Mm.
1: In my edition, yeah. I have quoted him at times, and Vishwanath uh, uh, Chakrita quotes him at times as well. He was quite a scholar. Though. I think he's probably a devotee. Mm. Next life. But... <laughs> mm.
3: Okay, thank you. That's yeah. all. <laughs> thank thank you for ride. the information, I- Haribal. Yeah.
0: So, yeah, I guess that we're about out of time now um, thank you so much for being with us today and hopefully next week we'll be able to get back together
1: yeah planning on it okay, okay.
0: Hare yeah. Krishna
1: Hare Krishna
0: Hare